Selamat pagi, selamat hari Minggu, selamat hari bersyukur. That's good morning. What is that? Good morning, happy Sunday as we say in Indonesia, and uh, happy Thanksgiving in the Indonesian language. My name is Matt Edlin, and my family is here with me, Caroline, my wife, and uh, our four, four boys, Mark, Micah, Elijah, and Luke, and we are your missionaries to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for being so good to us. You are so good. You are the only one who can turn shame into glory in our lives, and we thank you that you do, and you have, and you're continuing to. We give you thanks, especially this week, and we want to give you thanks today for what you are doing in the ends of the earth, in transforming lives and bringing glory to yourself. And God, we just ask that this time would be just a blessing to you and an encouragement to your people. Lord, I commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Acts 14, 26, if you'll turn to that in your uh, hard copy Bible or your electronic version of the scriptures, I want to give you an idea of what I'm here for. We are coming in the tradition of uh, the missionary apostle Paul and Barnabas with him in Acts 14, 26. It says, from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And uh, that's what we're here to do this morning, is to share with you what God has been doing. Uh, as this is our sending church, you all are the ones who sent us out years ago uh, to go and be missionaries in the ends of the earth, and we have the pleasure of being able to report to you what's been going on. Well, we are missionaries in Papua, Indonesia. And so Indonesia uh, is this, this group of islands that's south of the mainland Asia and north of Australia, and the part of Indonesia that we minister in is called Papua, and that's the easternmost province, which you see outlined here on the picture. Now, Caroline and I are from Southern Maryland here, and uh, we love America. We love being here in Maryland when we were able to. And so you might ask the question, well, why, what would make a person be willing to pack up everything with their family and go thousands of miles away to a developing country um, away from family, away from extended family, and, uh, and live in, in some pretty tough conditions. And so I want to share with you uh, what motivated us to do that. Of course, we know the Great Commission, uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and I do want to read it together. Just as a reminder of what motivates us. You see, years ago, Caroline and I both grew up in this area, like I said. Uh, we both went to a play to high school, and uh, we attended church with our families at some local churches in the area, not here um, at the time. But you see, Caroline and I, both though we were churchgoers, we, we were missing something very important, the very crux of the gospel, the very um, essence of Christianity. You see, when we went to church, 
we were learning about how to be a moral person. We were learning about how to love your neighbor and things like that. But what we were missing is the fact that we carried a guilt on our shoulders because of our sins. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have guilt that separates us from God. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says, that that guilt results in an eternal separation from God, no relationship with him. If I die in that state, then I go to be in hell for eternity away from God, because that's what I deserve. That's what all of us deserve. But the gospel says that though the wages of sin is death, what we earn because of our disobedience is eternal death. There's a free gift that God is willing to give us, and that's eternal life, a relationship with him. It's completely free. That's why we say salvation is by grace. That's why God's word says you are saved by grace. And it's not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. It does not come from good works so that no one may boast. You see, if I could earn my salvation by doing good works, by doing good things, coming to church, giving money to the church, helping out other people, being a good person, that kind of thing, if I could earn my salvation, then I could boast before other people and say, look at what a great guy I am. I could go before God and say, see, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be accepted by you. But God says that doesn't work that way. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve to be saved. None of us deserve forgiveness, no matter how many good things we do. A lot of people think of a relationship with God like this. You've got this, this scales. You're hoping that your good will outweigh the bad in the end, right? And you get to the gates of heaven and you say, well, how's it weigh out? God, I hope it weighs out so that the good outweighs the bad. And God says it doesn't work that way because any bad, any guilt on your account results in damnation. You have to be separated from God because he is holy and just. And so what are we gonna do? How are we going to earn our way to salvation? God says, you're not going to do it. I already did it by sending my son Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He didn't deserve damnation like the rest of us. And then he gave himself as a sacrifice in our place. When he died on that cross, he didn't just die as a martyr, as a religious teacher that, people didn't, that some people didn't agree with. He actually died as a substitutionary sacrifice. He died in our place. God poured out his punishment on Jesus Christ instead of on us so that Jesus said if we would just put our faith in him, if we put our trust in him, all our sins would be wiped away. It just seems too easy, doesn't it? How could it be free? But God's word says that it's free. But it's not easy because surrendering to God in trust is a pretty tough thing. We tend to be very... uh, self-sufficient and self-reliant, especially us Americans, right? I'm not gonna let somebody give it to me. I'm not, I don't want handouts, I'm gonna work for it. God says, no, on this one, it's a handout, there's no other way. Because if you try to work for it, what you're saying is, you see your son Jesus that you hung on that cross? I reject that. I'm gonna do it myself. And God says, salvation doesn't come that way. You must come through faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, as your Lord and Savior. So it is easy because it's free, but it's not easy because surrender is difficult. And true faith in Jesus Christ is about surrender. And so this is the gospel that Caroline and I encountered when we were in high school at La Plata High School. Why? Because this church actually sponsored and invited a youth ministry called Young Life into this area 
They reached out to kids and met in, in different kids' homes, like a youth group kind of a thing. Um, and Caroline and I both started going there. I was a few years ahead of her. But through that ministry, we started to learn about this gospel, this free gift of salvation that, that is uh, explained in God's word. And each of us got to a point where we realized, I'm in trouble with God. And you know what? All this stuff I've been doing to try to, to, to make it right is not going to work because God says he's willing to give it to me for free. And so I surrendered my life to him and he changed my life. And a lot of you, as Dennis said, have seen that progression because Caroline and I both came to know the Lord. Uh, we started coming to this church and were discipled under Pastor Thornley and, and other pastors here, and we grew in our faith. And we were impacted by this passage, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We were impacted by that commission that Jesus said, this isn't just for you, it's not just for your area around you and your neighborhood, but this is for all nations, not just political nations, but the Greek word ethnos there is talking about ethnic groups. And so in Indonesia, one political nation, there's 1,100 distinct ethnic groups with distinct languages which are unintelligible to one another and distinct cultures. And so there's a, and that's just in Indonesia. And God put on our hearts to go to them. Acts 4.12 says, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other religion that you can follow and be devout to and result in salvation. Why? Because only Jesus Christ was the substitute that died in our place. It's only through him that we can be saved. We want people who've never heard of that before to hear. And so that's why we went to Indonesia. Now I want to give you a, a glimpse here of what it looks like to live in Papua, Indonesia. If you lived in Papua, Indonesia, this is what your neighborhood would look like. This is Bayono Village, one of the places where we minister. And then here's another village that has some upgraded uh, housing from the government. The house next door might look like this, built on stilts because the people uh, built it up high out of fear of being attacked by enemies in the night. This might be your next door neighbor. This is Bastian. We'll hear about him a little bit later. And this is the underage driver next door, although he doesn't have a, uh, a car because there are no cars in that village, but he has the stand-up uh, canoe. This is the baby carrier for bringing the, your baby to work in the morning. Don't worry, the baby's just fine. And this is what your, uh, your neighborhood block party uh, group photo would look like. This is what you would have for dinner. Fish, ikan gurame, or some uh, river lobsters, which are delicious. And these are the guys that would be unloading your car at the church potluck. This is the church group photo. This is the first dedicated church in the Bayono uh, area. And then these are the first eight believers ever in the history of the world in the Bayono ethnic group in Papua, Indonesia, out in the jungle. They were baptized back in 2018. When we do baptisms in Papua, it's out in a river. I don't know if any of you have been to a river baptism. Some people do it. Some churches do it here. It's pretty awesome. Uh, although for us, 
Uh, we have to watch out for crocodiles during our baptisms. You probably haven't been in a river baptism like that. When we had this baptism of the first eight believers among the Bayono tribe, there were a lot of people that were watching from the banks. So this gives you a, a, a glimpse of the train of people. Many of these people do not have an understanding of the gospel because very few of them understand the Indonesian language, and we've only just begun to bring the gospel to them in their Bayono language. And then here's a picture of some other people that were uh, witnessing this baptism. They're thinking to themselves, what's going on in this ritual that these people are doing? And it's an opportunity for them to hear more about the gospel. Now, I want to tell you uh, a little bit about one specific person who was baptized during our second baptism service, which was seven believers, 15 in all, and this was just last year. I want to tell you about a guy named Kiyi. Now, Kiyi, when we first went to the Bayono village, um, was a guy who was very suspicious and very standoffish towards us. You can sort of see it in his eyes in this picture here as he sits beside his child bride. Kiyi, when we would do uh, Bible teaching in one part of the village, would be sitting off on the other edge of the village, off on a front porch. He's always watching. And a guy like Kiyi, in a place like Papua, you've got to be careful about. And so I thought to myself, I need to keep an eye on Kiyi uh, because he could be dangerous. If he's not happy with what we're teaching or what we're doing, uh, there could be a machete or a, an arrow coming my way. But you see, God had different plans for Kiyi. If you turn to Colossians 1.13, I want to highlight a verse that relates to Kiyi. You see, sometimes a person you think is the least likely to be interested in Jesus Christ ends up being the one that God makes a trophy of his grace. And that's what happened with Kiyi. You see, Kiyi is one of the first believers in the, in the Bayono tribe who was impacted by the gospel and he heard this gospel of grace that we just talked about and he said, I want that. I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe in him. And Kiyi became a believer, which is pretty amazing. Colossians 1.13. He, Jesus, has delivered us, or he, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Key is an example of someone that God has transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, I wanna give you a little picture of what it's like to live in the darkness of Bayono. People in Papua who have not encountered the gospel are what we call animists, which means a belief that there are spirits that are controlling nature, spirits in different parts of the jungle, and um, every part of your life is ruled by fear of crossing the spirits in some way, not obeying them, making them angry, causing sickness or calamity or death in your life. And so for a Bayono person, they are constantly doing rituals and, ha and making amulets and living in fear that the spirits will harm them. Now, we know from God's word that there is a such thing as angels, and there's a such thing as angels who have turned away from God, and we call those demons, 
And we know that from God's word that the, the demons are active in certain parts of the world and in different places and different situations. A person can be possessed by a demon. We don't see it a whole lot in American, in, around here in the U.S., but it does happen. You just don't hear about it very much. You have people that you know who have been involved in demonic things, involved in the, in the occult, but they just haven't told you in the first conversation. In fact, you might know someone for 10 or 20 years, and they haven't told you yet about that thing that happened, that demonic encounter that they had, because they're wondering if they say that to you that you're going to think they're crazy. God's word says, no, they're not crazy. It really does happen. But in, the, in places like Bayono, it is, demonic activity is very active. We call that spiritual warfare a lot of times in Christian circles. And so people in Bayono are always constantly in fear of the demons, and they're trying to work through witch doctors or different rituals to try to escape that fear. But you see, God's word says that Jesus is seated high above every ruler and authority and a power in the heavenly realms. Above every demonic power, Jesus has authority. And so when the gospel comes to a person like Kiyi and he realizes, I no longer need to fear the spirits, I no longer need to, to fear the demons because I can cling to Jesus as my savior. He is the one who made all of the angels and those that have fallen are still under his authority and he protects us from them. And so Kiyi has been transferred from that kingdom of darkness and of that fear to the kingdom of his beloved son. Now I want to tell you about a guy named Obri. Now Obri uh, is a man with an anger problem. Obri uh, is a guy with a murderous rage. This is very common in Bayono and in other cultures where the gospel has not come in. You see, people are unhinged. There is, there is not a, uh, a sense of restraint when, when they get angry with someone. The machete comes out, the axe comes out, the bow and arrow comes out. In fact, one time we were uh, doing a, like a back porch worship time at our colleague Benny's hut at one uh, part of the village, and we had just finished up and people were dispersing, and then we heard screaming and yelling at a hut across the village. It was Obri's hut. And so we went running over there, and we go inside, and Obri's wife has an arrow through her hand, and Obri's leg is hacked open with the machete, and there's blood going all over the place. Well, it turns out Obri and his wife had had an argument, and that argument went directly into violence. That gives you a glimpse of what it's like for someone in, one, in this culture who does not know the Lord. But here's the great thing, Romans 1.16 I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. It's for everyone, the power of God. Obri heard this gospel of grace and realized his guilt and his sin and he turned from his sin and said, Jesus, I surrender to you. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And Obri became a believer in Jesus Christ. And so God's power has transformed Obri, going from this man of rage to someone who's been redeemed and saved by Christ. Now I want to tell you about Koreu. Koreu is one of the women in, the, in Bayono village. She's pictured here holding an eight-foot-long python, which she caught with her bare hands while it was lurking in her hut, if that gives you an idea of what kind of woman Koreu is. Correo is known as a uh, 
someone who can interact with the spirits, sort of like a witch doctor or a shaman. Correo would be the kind of person you'd fear greatly crossing her. She would have a lot of control over your life because if you didn't do what she said, if you made her angry, she may curse you. Is some of this deception and not true? Yes. Is some of it real and demonic? Yes, some of it is. And so if someone wants to avoid sickness or calamity or death, paralysis, things like that, through demonic attack, they would be very careful about how they interact around Correo. They might come to Correo to ask for her help in uh, trying to manipulate the spiritual realm or the spirits. But you see, Correo heard the gospel. She heard that the power of Christ over all of the demons is more powerful She heard that the love of God, which she knew nothing of among the spirits, was greater than she could ever imagine. And she said, I want that. I want to know him. And she put her faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Acts 19, 11 through 20, talks about a similar situation in New Testament times. Acts 19, 11 And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. You see, they heard Paul driving out demons by the name of Jesus. They said, let's try that too. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. This is like Correo. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. People were seeing these demonic things going on. They were seeing that the name of Jesus Christ has authority over the demons. And those who repented of their sins said, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to take it. Now, in Bayono, they don't have books because they don't know how how to read and write yet. Um, They don't even have a written language except uh, what we're studying. I, as a linguist, and... uh, but. She has trinkets and amulets and uh, things like that that deal with the spiritual realm and getting rid of all of that. That's what happened in the New Testament. It's happening today with people like Correo. Correo became a believer in Jesus, and that is an amazing trophy of his grace. Now I want to tell you about Banaru. Banaru is one of the women in Bayono Village. Years ago, uh, Banaru became deathly ill quite suddenly. Now, this is very common in the tropics, out in the jungle, in this very remote area uh, of Papua. There's not good medical care in the jungle. You do have to travel some distance by canoe before you can get uh, medical care. Banaru was not able to do that, and so she was quickly bedridden. Her stomach was distended. It can be caused by all kinds of tropical disease, diseases and things like that. Um, people were gathered around her in her hut, concerned for her, 
Uh, our colleagues, Benny and Dahuna, who are other Papuans from a different tribe who have come to know the Lord and who are missionaries to the Bayono tribe, they were there at that time, kneeling beside Banadu and praying. Banadu uh, steadily got worse and worse. Finally, she stopped breathing and she died. Now, you have to understand what happens in Bayono culture when a person dies. Everyone around Banadu that's gathered in that hut starts something called a death wail. It is a heart-wrenching thing to hear because in Bayono culture, there is no hope of an afterlife. There is no hope of ever seeing that person again. There is only darkness and uncertainty. And so when someone dies in Bayono, the people start to wail and cry and cry out. And this goes on for hours. It goes on for days and days and days because it is, it's utter hopelessness. But Benny and Dahuna, these two believers who come from the Yali tribe, who are there ministering, they're our partners, like I said, who are there ministering, they continue to pray for Dahuna. They prayed over her. They sang praise songs for hours and they prayed and prayed and they asked God to, to still intervene. And after several hours of praying and singing praise songs over Banadu, she opened her eyes. And she uttered a, a guttural moan in which a, 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 a demonic entity came out of her, flew and struck Benny and Dahuna and flew out of the, uh, out of the hut. Her stomach, which, was, which had been distended, was completely down to normal, and she was healed. Now listen, I'm a skeptic, okay? My middle name is Thomas, and so I, I sort of fit the, the picture of the doubting Thomas. But every once in a while, something so major happens that you step back and say, God is awesome, and there's no doubt that he has done something amazing. Can we just give God a round of applause for that? Not just for Banadu, but for all of those trophies of grace that we've, that we've heard about before this. But Banadu was healed miraculously. She was brought back from the dead miraculously. God is working in the ends of the earth as an extension of this church, just as he did in New Testament times. It is powerful and it is amazing. Now, I want you to pray for Banadu because, believe it or not, Banadu, we're, we're not sure that Banadu is a believer yet. And you think, how in the world could that be? You were raised from the dead, by, Jesus, by the name of Jesus, and how could you not believe? But you see, someone who lives in darkness for 25 years, afraid of the spirits, the, the, the stranglehold is very tight, and it's difficult to escape from. And it may have something to do with her husband, who I want you hear, to hear about next. This is Amiai Trai. Amiai, in the green shirt, is Bernadu's uh, husband. Amiai Trai are the bad boys. These are the guys you do not cross if you want to live to see tomorrow. But even Amiai and Trai are starting to be impacted with the gospel. Obviously, Amiai's wife was raised from the dead in Jesus' name. They see the testimony of the few believers in the area. But there's this one event that has really impacted Amiai and Trai. And that is, you see, we have this river called Kali Uroh, which goes down by our Bayono village alongside. This is a screenshot from... Uh, from the beginning of our, our travels on Uroh River. You see, on Uroh River, you can go north. There's other villages up north, and that's fine, but you are not allowed to go south. It is taboo. 
because in Bayono culture and beliefs, there are different, there are certain areas of the jungle, certain trees, certain places in the jungle, certain places on the river, especially where the water, um, where the river takes a turn and there's a little whirlpool there. There's a belief that there are demons that reside in these different areas. The local people know exactly which areas those are. You do not cross through those areas. Are there always demons in those areas? Not necessarily. Was there at some time and something really terrifying happened to someone so nobody's going to go back there again? Yes, definitely. And are there some spots where there is still demonic activity? Yes, definitely. Well, Kali Ura was one of these places. South of the river, you're not allowed to go. No one had been there for hundreds of years. Now, Benny, our colleague who I talked about was there praying for Banadu, uh, and myself, and uh, Bastian, one of the new believers, and another guy, Nedui, in the blue shirt standing up on this picture, we said, we're going to go south on Kali Ura, and we're going to trust in Jesus Christ to protect us. And so we took a two-day trip by canoe. We had to bushwhack through a whole bunch of overgrown vines and things because nobody had been through the river uh, in hundreds of years, like I said. We went two, two days trip downriver, um, sleeping in between at a, uh, in sort of a shelter, a temporary shelter, and then uh, came back. And we did not meet with calamity. We did not get sick. We did not die. We did not have demonic attack. And that had an impact on Amiyan Trai. Because they saw, wait a second, maybe we don't need to fear the spirits like we have for so many years. And so not only that, Amiyan Trai, after they saw we were able to go down river, trusting in Jesus, calling on Jesus in prayer to, to protect us, now that area downriver is Amiyan Trai's favorite spot to go hunting and fishing. And if you're a hunter or a fisherman, you know why because that's the best place to go hunting. That's the best place to go fishing. That's where you get the best crocodiles, the best monitor lizards, the best cassowary, the best wild boar, all the things that you love to eat, right, uh, are down there. But Amiyan Trai have not put their faith in Christ yet. So they're in sort of a tricky position like the sons of Sceva in our passage. They were calling on the name of Jesus but didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They weren't indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Pray for Amiyan Trai that they would come to know the Lord. Hebrews 2.15 talks about people who have been in the grip of the fear of death their whole lives are freed by the name of Jesus, and that's what we pray for Amiyan Trai. Now I want to tell you a little bit about Benny and Dahuna. Like I said, Benny and Dahuna are from another Papuan tribe. They're not Bayono. They are from a tribe called the Yali tribe. If you want to read an amazing account of the Yali tribe coming to know Christ back in the 60s, after several missionaries were martyred there, uh, read the book Lords of the Earth by Don Richardson. I read that and it just, it was amazing. It really gave me an even stronger heart for Papua. Benny and Dahuna come from a tribal area that's up in the mountains, spring-like weather year-round, no malaria, and they move down into the swampy lowlands, oppressively hot and humid malaria and uh, tropical disease area of Bayono, where we work. They have sacrificed much, including one of their small children dying in a tragedy in Bayono Village a few years back, but they have remained faithful. I ask you to pray for Benny and Dahuna. If you get on our prayer uh, update text messages or emails, you see that we give updates about Benny and Dahuna often, and they covet your prayers. What keeps them going, of course, is Christ first, 
But when they are out there in the village, when we're, like when we're back in the States here and we're not there, they know that people here are praying for them. There are actually a few people here in the States that actually uh, financially support Benny and Dahuna. And if you're interested in doing that, they, they live on pennies and uh, would appreciate that as well. But Benny and Dahuna are real uh, just champions of the faith working with us in Bayona. Now I want to tell you about a guy named Bastian. He was the one with the bow and arrow in one of our first pictures. Bastian is probably the first believer ever in the Bayono tribe. This was a picture that I took when he and I were going through a gospel picture book, pictures only because he can't read, um, and he knew about a first grade level, kindergarten level of Indonesian language, and so I was able to share the gospel with him through Indonesian. And Bastian, at this, on that day, when he was looking at that book, said, I believe this. This is true. And he was changed, let me tell you. He is a very influential young man in the Bayono uh, culture and in the surrounding area. He often was one of the lead, was one of the leaders of the uh, spirit worship festivals, demonic festivals, and now he has been redeemed. This is a picture of him with his daughter, Nofina, his firstborn. I'm sorry, his secondborn, their firstborn uh, died early, but his secondborn, Nofina, and, uh, but I want to ask you to pray for Bastian. He's such a precious believer. He loves the Lord. He's asked for picture books. We've given them to him because he's like, I want to go to all the villages. They got to hear this message. God's using Bastian. But Bastian has a medical condition, which is, which is serious and life-threatening. Some of you who pray along with us know that we have on multiple occasions asked for prayer. He has been very close to death on several occasions. And we just, uh, he needs to get surgery or have miraculous healing. And we just, um, we ask for your prayers for Bastian. What we're doing and what we've been doing in Bayono is we've gone into this tribe which had no believers at the time as far as we could determine, uh, no written language, and we've been learning the Bayono language. Uh, I have a thousand word lexicon, uh, the first written record of the Bayono language uh, ever in history. And we're working on translating the Bible into the Bayono language. Now, much of what we share now is orally, uh, is, is shared orally because the people can't read and write yet. Most of them can't. Um, and so we do oral Bible story translation. If you think of uh, a, a children's Bible with Bible stories in it, we start with oral storytelling because that fits their culture and that's how they uh, take in information uh, much more readily. And so we're working on an oral Bible story translation project with the Bayono tribe as well as five other languages. Uh, and we're training Bayono people and people from these other five other languages to be the Bible translators. They're learning principles of Bible translation and translating and recording audio as well as memorizing the Bible stories and then getting together little small groups back in their villages, sharing the Bible stories, and then going through discovery Bible, um, discovery Bible study questions and application, and people are starting to come to know the Lord. Now, there are a handful of believers in the Bayono tribe. The Bayono tribe is not a large tribe. It's max 400 people, spread over 400 square miles of dense remote jungle. And there's probably 15 believers right now. Colossians 1.13, as we looked at before, talks about how uh, God takes us from the kingdom of darkness and transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved son. 
There are many people in Bayono who still live in darkness, still live in fear of the demons, still do not have hope of an afterlife, still uh, do the death wail whenever someone dies because of the utter hopelessness. We are so thankful that you have partnered with us so that we can have a presence there in Bayono and continue to reach out to the Bayono tribe. Now, I wanna encourage you, if you don't already receive our email updates or our text message updates, um, I wanna encourage you to text the word Papua to the number on the screen there. And we send out text message updates about once a week or once every two weeks. Some of you can attest you were here at this church when I was lost on a mountain in Indonesia in the middle of the night and Caroline was uh, able to get a message out to this church on a Sunday morning to pray for me and my friend Trevor. We almost uh, fell off a cliff in the middle of the night. We didn't, thankfully, in answer to your prayers. Uh, we were uh, approached, almost attacked by a wild animal in the dark. Still not sure what that was. But uh, God protected us through your prayers of this church on a Sunday morning when we were out there. And that kind of thing happens. And so we appreciate when you're on our text message update list, we can send a blast out by text. And we know that hundreds of people will be praying. And let's look at 2 Corinthians 1.8 just to see what that was like for the missionary apostle Paul, because it's just like that for us too. Second Corinthians 1, 8 through 11, we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Paul says it got so hard, we were not sure if we were gonna live through it. And sometimes that's the point that we get to. Caroline's had dengue fever three times, some people don't survive once. Our families had malaria 15 times or more. Um, I've slept among cannibals. We've traveled parts of the jungle uh, that many feet have not traveled. But God has always taken care of us in answer to your prayers. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. You see, God puts us in these situations where we're like, I'm not sure if I'm gonna live through it. And we send out a text blast and a bunch of people get praying and we see an amazing answer to that prayer. And then we share and we come like we do today and say, look at how your prayers are being answered. And then we all praise God for it. That's exactly what was happening with Paul. That's what's happening with us. And that's why we want you to be a part of our prayer team. And we thank you for those of you for decades now have been. Now, how does this apply to you besides being a prayer partner with us? You know, maybe you came in here this morning, maybe you're a little bit like Key, and you're suspicious and you're doubtful and you're watching from the sidelines, but you're not quite so sure about this Christianity thing. I just wanna encourage you to just be real with God and just say, God, I'm just not sure. I got questions and I got doubts, but I just wanna encourage you to just say, God, if you are real, then I just need you to make it clear to me. And ask God to reach down into your life and do something to help bring you across that line that you would truly know Jesus as your savior. Maybe you're like Obri and you've got an anger issue. You've got some other besetting sin which is controlling your life that you're ashamed of and you're struggling with and it's keeping you from 
from surrendering to God because you say, you know, I can't come to God because I've got so much guilt. God says, that's why you need to come. Bring the guilt. You can't get rid of it first and then come to me. Bring the guilt and lay it at my feet and I will wipe it away. That's what God says. Maybe you're like Obri in that. But whatever that thing is, I just encourage you to lay it at God's feet and say, I'm just going to give this to you. And when I struggle with it tomorrow, I'm going to give it to you again. But I want to have that relationship with you. And now I realize I don't have to be perfect first so that I can have that relationship. You say, come to you and you'll give me that relationship. Then you're going to do the perfecting. You're going to do the cleaning process. That's my encouragement to you if you're like Obri. Maybe you're like Correo, and maybe you're involved in the occult. Maybe you're involved in some kind of spirit guide or um, demonic activity. Maybe you have had an experience since you were a child from your uh, past or from your family's involvement in such things where you've been uh, harassed by demonic attack. Maybe you know someone who has. Maybe you're like Correo. You've got to realize, and I'm telling you, we've seen through the testimonies today that the power of Christ is so high above any demonic power. Demons have a lot of fear, and I've been there, and I know what it's like, but it's deception because Jesus is the one who has the authority over all of it. If you're like Correo, I want to encourage you to to just wipe away put aside your involvement in those things. If you're being harassed by some kind of demonic entity, that you would bring it before Christ, that you would talk to your pastors and get a prayer team around you until it's gone. Maybe you're like Amiyan Trai. Maybe you're the bad boy. You're too cool to be sensitive. You're too tough to surrender. I encourage you to realize that today, might be the last opportunity that you have to surrender. God's the toughest one out there. He's the one that wrote the book. So you be with him doesn't mean you turn into a wuss. So if you're the tough guy, I wanna encourage you to be real with God and be willing to surrender to him. Or maybe you're like Bastian, You're hearing these things, maybe for the first time you understand. That's why Jesus died on the cross. It wasn't just as a martyr. He actually was being punished for my sins. This is a free gift. I don't have to earn it. If you're like Bastian and you're hearing that for the first time, you're like, I want that, then I want to encourage you just today to come before God and say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. I received that free gift. That's all it takes. I, I want to know you. I surrender to you. Talk to one of the pastors here about that so they can help you to grow. Maybe you're like Benny. You're already a believer. You have been for a long time, but God is encouraging you to be more cross-culturally reaching out to those around you. I've been hanging out with Bruno, and we've been talking, and I know that he has an initiative, and he has a burden on his heart for us in this church to be reaching out cross-culturally more in our community around here. Caroline and I and our family, we're doing it in Papua, but there are people around us here that have different cultures as well, of course. When Caroline and I were first married and we were living in this area, uh, God gave us opportunity, just randomly met um, a family from Kosovo. They were refugees from Kosovo. And we hung out with them for years, shared the gospel with them and their whole family. Well, there's refugees here now, right? In, um, I think, Akakwan area, we have Afghan refugees that are not far from here. Uh, There are people from the southern border that are refugees. Now, regardless of what your standpoint is politically about 
immigration and the border and things like that. If God has brought someone into your life path from a different culture, no matter where they came from, he is giving you an opportunity there. And they need to know Christ. You have it. You know the key. Share it with them. Share him with them. And what exactly does that look like? Right now in the, uh, in the Christmas time is a perfect time to break the ice with people around you, people in your neighborhood that you know are from a different background than you or a different culture than you. Make a plate of cookies and go to the next door neighbor and ring the doorbell and just say, hey, I'm your neighbor. I just want to say Merry Christmas. We made these cookies for you. Like, if you guys want to come over and hang out, you know, sometime, that'd be awesome. Just wanted to get to know you. You can, you can break the ice that way. That's how I met that guy from Kosovo, from the other side of the world that I come over as a refugee. It was a similar kind of uh, meeting. I encourage you to do that. That's not hard to do and see where God takes it. Or maybe you've got someone that, from a different culture or background that's a coworker of yours, someone you haven't really spent time with before, but you can say, hey, can I treat you to lunch? Like, I, you know, we've worked together. I don't know you very well. Let's go, let's go do lunch. It's really easy to do. And in that conversation over lunch, you can be sharing about, you can share just very simply about what God has done in your life, your testimony, and see where God takes it. When you go out to eat in the area here, uh, go out to dinner or something, talk to your server. Um, ask them what their name is. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them, hey, is there something I can pray for you about? I can be praying for you about because I'm a Christian and I just, you know, and you would be surprised at the responses that you get. Don't be a wuss, right? We talk about being a tough guy, right? Okay, here's what a tough guy does. They go and they talk to the server and say, hey, can I pray for you about something? And sometimes you'll have someone just break down, just right there. Man, I've been working a double shift. I'm a single mom. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, and I'm about to lose it. Yes, pray for me. And then you leave that person a 50% tip, right? Or you leave them a $100 tip, and you say, hey, I go to this church, Grace Church Waldorf. You should come out, or something like that. And just bless them. Don't be talking to them about Christ and then stiff them on the tip, okay? Do not do that. That is not a good testimony. Be a big tipper, Jesus said, use the money that God gives you to open doors in heaven. Or maybe you're in a, uh, a community group uh, in the area here, like a business group, or uh, I'm in a cycling club uh, in a part of Papua that I spend time in sometimes. Uh, I know there's, some, there's an active cycling club in the Waldorf area. I'm like really tempted to want to join. Um, but if you've got friends or you're in a group like that, here's my challenge to you. Get below the, surp- the surface level, the superficial talk, and just ask them a question about, hey, you know, where are you at with spiritual things? Just ask that question. Just ask them questions about what they think about stuff. People love to hear their own voice and love to talk. So just, just say, hey, do, you know, do you, what do you know about Christianity? Or have you ever gone to church before? Or where are you at in your spiritual journey? They'll, you know, sometimes they'll tell you, and they'll say, well, I don't really want to talk about that. But most of the time, especially if, you know, if they sort of know you as an acquaintance already, most of the time a person will be willing to tell you what they think. And then you may have an opportunity. You may have an opportunity to share with them. Those are just a few ideas. But as Bruno, as I, Bruno and I were talking and, and brainstorming about cross-culturally, just reaching out cross-culturally right around us, 
That's my challenge to you. Don't leave it just to us, the missionaries. There's a lot of opportunity here to do it as well. So for Thanksgiving, we are very thankful as a family to have been sent out by this church. I should say, back up, we're very thankful that God used this church to disciple us, to grow us, to help us to be strong in God's word, to catch that vision for sharing the gospel, and then to send us out and to pray for us and support us financially along the way um, to the point where we can come back and share these testimonies of what God is doing in the ends of the earth. We just thank you so much. If you're not a part of that and you're not getting our updates, you need to. If you wanna get more information, we have a sign-up sheet out in the lobby. Um, So sign up, get your email and your text uh, to us. And we just wanna say thank you for being a part of what God is doing in the ends of the earth. Let me pray for us. God, you are awesome and your power is so evident at certain times in our lives. And this is one of those times where we're seeing what you are doing in the Bayono tribe 9,000 miles from here. Thank you, God, for exercising your power and authority over demonic powers, over sickness, over death, over all of those besetting sins that drag us down. God, for anyone who's in here that doesn't know you yet, that hasn't surrendered to you yet, God, I pray that you would just bring them to yourself today. Bring them to that point of faith, of surrender. God, use us in this community to go cross-culturally with a, with a plate of cookies or with a, a, a treating someone to lunch or talking to the server or one of those ideas, getting below the superficial talk. Help us to be brave, to talk about you because we know that people's eternity hangs in the balance. Help us, Lord, give us strength where we are weak. Thank you for what you're doing in Papua. You are great. In Jesus' name, amen.